Thanks for joining us on History Makers. And joining me on the line right now is Jossie Chaco. He's uh, one of the men behind MPART, which is an incredible organisation that ministers to people all throughout India. He's the founder and president, and it's a global ministry. And uh, I've actually seen Jossie speak at a conference recently and also at the Willow Creek Leadership Summit in the USA. He's an amazing man of God, now based in Melbourne, Australia. It's great to have him on the line. How are you today, Jossie? Really, really great, Matt. Thanks for having me, and uh, good day to all the listeners. Wonderful to hear from you, mate. Now, for those who haven't heard your story, it's a fascinating story of how God has raised you up. Uh, tell us a bit about where you were born and raised and what life was like for you as a young fella. Um, I was born in, um, and raised in southern India in a very remote interior village um, on a dirt road that didn't have a name and a house that didn't have a house number. So pretty primitive um, farming background. Um, I had an amazing, adventurous childhood. Um, you know, we got bored with fishing with uh, hooks and line and all of that. So we experimented with uh, dynamos and electricity and and um, had an extraordinary success in catching some fish. Um, I don't recommend that people try that, though. Um, um, but unfortunately, um, uh, we had a difficult childhood at the same time because of my um, father had a mental illness. Mm-hmm. And he would just um, have these um, psychotic uh, episodes and um, flip out and want to kill everybody and burn the house and... So um, my mother had to, you know, um, take us at night and hide us under the trees at night um, and come and get us in the morning just uh, so he won't kill us um, while we slept. Mm. And um, so my grandfather um, kind of stepped in and um, adopted and and uh, was, re- but you know, default, he, you know, my grandparents were the parent. Um, he was a very godly man, um, a very successful entrepreneur uh, with uh, many different businesses. Um, so, you know, in, in many ways, um, the issue with my dad turned out to be for good in some ways because um, I was able to learn um, an incredible amount of things from him, um, just about business and life and principles um, that still guides me. And um, I just want to also say to those who are listening that maybe grandparents, um, you know, your your influence and impact is not finished um, yet. And I think you can have extraordinary opportunities uh, with your grandchildren and maybe even other um, grandkids. So mm. I just encourage people to use that opportunity. And tell us about uh, the uh, religion in your family. Was, was, was there a strong religious upbringing you had or? Um, yeah, our family were um, traditional um, Christian, very very legalistic, you know. So we we would we wouldn't have television, or we couldn't go to movies, and didn't play cards, or you know. So um, it was very legalistic, um, very traditional. Uh, family background is from the Saint Thomas Church tradition, which is uh, 
a little bit like the Orthodox, um, Eastern Orthodox um, kind of family tradition. But then uh, my grandfather later on came to a Brethren um, uh, tradition. And so I kind of grew up within that. But um, I didn't really have a personal belief in God um, simply because of of the kind of church and the Christian world that I experienced um, wasn't appealing to me. And of course, then I was, you know, I had lots of questions about my dad's illness. And if there's a loving God, why would he allow my dad to be crazy like he was? And um, so forth and so on. So I just didn't have a um, a belief, um, even though um, I was surrounded by Christians. And at the age of 17, you left South India with $20 in your pocket and a one-way ticket to Australia and a dream to become a business success. Tell us what happened next. Yeah, I because of my you know dad's illness, my grandfather always said, you know, there's no point in hanging around here. You better go somewhere and get a, a life for yourself. And um, so I heard about Australia and met an Australian guy that was very impressed and um, um, came to Australia to make uh, lots of money and become rich and famous. Um, (laughs) And um, so the initial idea was um, we were going to go into business um, in publishing, printing. And um, with my Indian background, we would go back and establish a printing plant over in India and then um, supply back to Australia. So, I mean, this is, you know, in the mid-80s, um, we thought there's a great opportunity here, taking advantage of the cheap labor in India, but, um, uh, you, know, uh, you know, in terms of competition-wise, establishing a great business. But unfortunately, all of those um, dreams and um, plans went down the drain. Um, some of the people involved in that business initiative wasn't so good and um, somebody took all the money and the business went bust and um, lost everything and um, ended up with no family, no friends, um, you know, pretty much um, homeless and depressed um, and uh, very suicidal. Um, And I didn't have any reason to leave because I couldn't go back home um, because of my dad's situation and I couldn't get any other job. I didn't have. Um, I didn't even have a driver's license. No car. No no friends. Nowhere to stay. Um, so I decided. You know, this is uh, maybe the best is to end my life. And what happened then? I was actually going to jump off a building and finish my life. And but uh, you know, from my from my childhood, I knew there was a God. So I just thought, well, if you are out there, this is your opportunity to help me. So I decided to pray a prayer. Mm. I cried out and said, God, if you're out there, um, now is your chance to help me. And something extraordinary happened. I I literally collapsed and um, went to a deep sleep. And um, when I woke up, I was a um, completely different person. I mean, the depression, the negative thoughts had gone. Um, there was hope inside of me, and something telling me that everything is going to be well. And I could, I, I, I can say that I experienced God, uh, because for months, you know, for three months, I had no toothpaste, no soap, no oil, none of the basic things um, to survive. And all of a sudden, there was this excitement: things are going to be well. And I knew that it was God who done that for me. And literally that day, um, I, I landed a job. I mean, I, for three months, I couldn't find a job. Um, so um, that, that evening, I got a job, and that's the only job I've, I've worked for in my life. 
And you really went through uh, an amazing time in business uh, and working, but then your dream changed forever when you had an encounter with an eight-year-old homeless boy while you were honeymooning in North India. Tell us what happened. Um, yes, Matt. Um, I mean, uh, my dream was, you know, um, make a lot of money. And during that time, God really blessed us and was gracious. And and I was heading towards that and had a an Australian girlfriend, um, uh, Jenny. And uh, we made this plan that we we're going to get married and go to Tassie and buy a hobby farm <laughs> and um, raise our kids and enjoy life. Um, but then um, she had this crazy idea that um, she wanted to go and see the Taj Mahal because she was marrying this Indian, so everybody kept asking her, hey, so you've not seen the Taj Mahal? <laughs> so she would say, now we'll do the honeymoon in, in North India, and I said, don't worry, I've never seen the Taj Mahal, and you don't need to see it, and uh, we'll go to Hawaii or somewhere. But, you know, Matt, women are pretty good in getting you to do things you don't want to do, so... <laughs> So I, I, I gave in to her idea, and we went on our honeymoon to North India. And from Delhi to Agra, where the Taj Mahal is, you know, we're traveling on this beautiful business train, and the little boy um, was sweeping the floor and, you know, uh, picking up the rubbish and then begging, asking for money. Um, I I tried to give him some food and tried to interact with him. I, I didn't speak the language of, uh, of the North, which is Hindi. Um, and he didn't speak any English, but then I tried a couple of South Indian languages, and um, amazingly, he spoke one of the South Indian languages I could speak. So we entered into this deep conversation about his background and was fascinated to know that um, he, the earliest recollection he had was the slums in, in Delhi. Oh. Um, no family, um, and he just sleeps on the railway tracks and stations and eat from the rubbish bin and I was fascinated by his story. Um, uh, I asked him to come with us, and uh, he said no and walked off. And But then he, later on he came back and said, um, I've been thinking about that invitation, and um, I think you're a trustworthy person. He said, normally I don't go with strangers because they um, steal our body parts or kill us or you know drug us and sexually abuse us. Um, mm. So I don't go with strangers, but I think you look okay. Mm. And so I'll come with you. And um, so then I had to explain to my newly wedded wife why it's a good idea to have a slum boy with us for our three weeks honeymoon. <laughs> um, because she couldn't understand a word of the conversation we were having. And um, But, I mean, incredibly, um, she, you know, after a lengthy conversation, um, she agreed to it. So we spent um, the, the next um, three weeks traveling all over North India uh, with his kid, and um, Matt, I tell you, he opened my world to a, uh, you know, uh, something that I could never have imagined that existed. I mean, those of you um, seen the movie, you know, the Slumdog Millionaire and yeah. all of those things. Let me tell you, if, if anything, it's underdone to the realities of millions of kids. Really, wow. Um, you know, he was talking about the body part industry, the beggar mafia. Um, the drug uh, world and um, and the sex um, sex industry, you know, all kinds of. I mean, he was about eight years of age, but he knew so much and he experienced so much, and um, and and he had a an explanation for for everything that was happening around him um, that was very difficult to understand. So, which um, I mean, during this time, I was intrigued, um, curious. But also become very confused, um, you know, what, 
why am I here? Why was he born in that situation? Why did I born, you know, even though my dad had problems, you know, I had an incredibly loving grandfather and um, had, a, you know, the opportunity to come to Australia. I was going to commit suicide, but why God saved me from that? And why did he give me a job? Why did he give us money? You know, so lots of questions, um, even about my faith um, during the time I had become Christian and, uh, you know, my deal about Christianity was, well, I didn't want to go to hell, so, <laughs> you know, believe in Jesus so I can go to heaven. But the encounter with um, this boy called um, Raju raised the question, why am I here? You know, if God can take us to heaven, um, but he doesn't take us, but why does he leave us here? What's the purpose? Is it so that we can just make some money and then retire and chase the white ball and, you know, then get to heaven? I mean, what's the purpose? What's the deal here? And um, so subsequent to that, for the next few years, um, I became more confused with all these questions and, and even questioning again my faith and Bible and the purpose and the church and you know all of that. Um, and so it, it, it lasted for another three years or so, um, that confusing stage. So after this encounter with this young man, uh, you really had a, a burden on your heart to reach India. And, you know, I've got some friends that have been to India with Empart, and they've seen the skills centers, the children homes, the educational programs, the church planting. It really is a massive organization. Tell us about your vision. Is it, is it 100,000 churches? Is that the long-term vision? Well, the, yes, the long-term goal is to see 100,000 communities be transformed, um, you know, and that's the goal. The vision is to see communities and lives transformed the way we see in the Book of Acts. And, you know, I mean, to me, you know, God's um, dream and desire, when we say church, I think we can get the wrong picture, I think. You know, in the West, we, when we say church, you know, you think about, you know, this building on the corner block. Mm. Um, that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about, the, you know, the church in the book of Acts, where they were so in love with God that they, you know, they, they just worshipped Him. They were so in love with the, with the neighbors and the lost people. They were sharing about Jesus everywhere. They were so in love with the needy people, they just gave. I mean, even, you know, not just 10%. You know, they, they were selling their possessions and giving, and, and they were caring for the orphans and the widows. And, and it says there was no needs among them. Mm. And they were making disciples every day, and the church was growing daily. And I think that's the kind of church that, that Jesus is building and and that's the kind of church we're dreaming for. Um, I mean, the context that we're talking about is, you know, um, North India uh, is the largest unreached um, group of people in the world. Mm -hmm. In any single country in the world, there is more people who never heard about Jesus in North India than anywhere in the world. I mean, it's just unbelievable mm. that even in today's world that there are, you know, nearly 500 million people living there that have never heard the name Jesus. So I, I really became, you know, uh, convicted and compelled. The only reason for us to exist is to engage with the mission of Jesus, and that includes the Great Commission and the Good Command. And, and, and that's the only reason why we are left in this world. Um, you know, everything else is just uh, part of the maintenance deal. And, um, and also felt really convicted that the greatest injustice in the world is that... Um, there are people who are still living who never can hear about Jesus, even if they want to. 
and I, I believe it's the greatest injustice because their eternity depends on it. And and also another deep conviction I had, Matt, was that um, there's only two things we can never do in 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 heaven in eternity. Um, the one is that we could never tell somebody about Jesus that don't know about Him, and and two that we could never help a poor or a needy person. You know, in all of eternity, we can look for somebody to help, um, but we would never find them. Mm. So we basically just um, started to, you know, read the book of Acts and the early church and tried to replicate that by training and raising of local people. So I I didn't know the language or the culture or the context, but started with um, five local guys who, who knew the language and the culture and the context. I mean, Jesus started with 12, and I couldn't find 12. I could find only five, so I started with them. And, um, and, and spent two years doing life with them, training them, discipling them. And then um, we, we started a community just like we, we were reading in the Book of Acts. And then we picked up another 11 and trained them and sent them out and so forth and so on. And we've just been, you know, so we turned that first church into a training center where we have like a one-year residential training where we're teaching people practical skills as well as the Bible and sending them out. And then they're planting, um, you know, these um, uh, holistic community transformation churches. And um, so it's just been multiplying from there. And God's just been doing amazing things. You know, he said um, to go and make disciples and he will build the church. And that's what we've been doing. And and the, the church that described are the ones that are taking care of the needs of the community. And so now there is schools and hospitals. And I mean, right now, one of the biggest um, projects we're engaged is um, building toilets. I mean, you know, 720 million people. Uh, in India, have no access to a toilet. I mean, just the mm. imagine the the health issues of that many people. Just you know, public opentification mm. and uh, clean water and so forth and so on. Um, so yeah, God's been doing amazing thing, Matt, and we're just blown away what what He can do uh, when we step out in faith. And um, and and there are today there is um, twenty one thousand communities that are being reached. Um, in a holistic way through empowered um, workers on the ground. Mm. And um, so we are making some progress, but we still have a long way to go towards that 100,000 goal. Well, Josie, it's been inspirational to catch up with you today. And I've been looking at your website this morning, seeing all these photos of these uh, gorgeous kids in India and people, you know, communities being impacted. If people do want to get involved, uh, you do many trips over there. Uh, there's many opportunities for people to donate and support and certainly pray for this mission uh, to reach India. It's absolutely incredible. The website is mparts.org. And also you can check out Jossie's book, Madness, which is about his life story. It's absolutely history-making. Jossie Chaco, I reckon you're a history-maker. Thanks for your time. Hey, um, Eval, it's only through, only through Jesus, <laughs> and I um, appreciate the opportunity to share. And I just encourage people to pursue Jesus and do what he tells you to do. And um, get in touch with us. Um, you know, Hey, it's in your interest to connect with us because there is more Indians going to be in heaven than uh, anybody else. So, <laughs> um, you know, you connect with us on social media and websites. We look forward to hearing from you. Uh, God's richest blessing, and thank you so much, man. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. 
You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater, and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials, and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's Word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians, and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor, 